Hello, this is Pastor Don from the Atlantic Evangelical Free Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check us out on the web at AtlanticFreeChurch.com. In the meantime, I hope the sermon you're about to hear draws you closer to the Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening, and God bless you. Would I have the Sherry Clemson read the scripture? Psalm 42 and 43. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy, and I'll praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Good morning. Good morning. A bit of a crazy morning this morning. <laughs> um, let me just pray us in, and we'll, we'll continue on. Dear Lord, thank you for your word, and that you have given a, it to us, so that we may know you through it. Um, help uh, me today. Please guide me in uh, preaching your word and, and teaching truth. Um, help this message to reach those who need it most today. Uh, we're thankful for you and all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name. So, Richard Wormbrand was a professor and a Lutheran priest in Romania. He was a man of Jewish descent, but he converted to Christianity around the age of 30. During World War II, he spent his time preaching at bomb shelters and rescuing Jews from the Holocaust. Now, because of his actions, he was imprisoned and tortured by the Romanian government, which maintained a policy of state atheism. He continued to preach in prison night after night, even though he knew it would lead to him being beaten and tortured each time he was caught. 
So unlike some of the other psalms we've gone through in this series of psalms, uh, like Don preached a few weeks ago, uh, one taught by David, David after Nathan the prophet had approached him after he had his affair with Bathsheba. Um, but unlike that, we don't have a ton of background on these two psalms today. We don't know exactly who wrote them or exactly what the circumstances were that they were written during. There are multiple Korahs in scripture, as we saw this is from the sons of Korah, so it can even be tough to determine which familial line it was that wrote them. But Psalm 42 and 43 were originally just one psalm. In the earliest manuscripts, there is no delineation between the two. And if you notice in your Bible, we'll have a section heading for Psalm 43, but there's no information about who or for what it was written for. It simply just shares that information from the psalm before it. But each does manage to be complete on its own, so it's easy to separate them. But let's be honest, this is my first time preaching for y'all, and I probably need more scripture to go off of than less. So our use for our use today, we'll be combining them. Can we maybe turn the gain down or something? I'm hearing a lot of echo. Um, but the two flow into each other. And so we're going to look at it like a song, just like we were just singing. It has three verses and a chorus after each verse. You'll notice that verse 5 and 11 of 42 are the same, and they're the same as verse 5 of Psalm 43. We sang both of these today, and I did that in hopes that it'll help us retain them and maybe even memorize them if we did it often enough. Uh, because putting things, putting things to tunes definitely helps with memorization. For instance, I have pretty much the entire Beatles catalog memorized because I can sing them. I have the quadratic equation memorized. X equals the opposite of B plus or minus the square root of B squared minus 4AC all over 2A. Even though I haven't used the quadratic equation since my Algebra 1 class in high school 17 years ago. But, because I never learned this to a song, I don't even know the capital to every state. For instance, as a new Iowanian, I don't know what we call ourselves, I'm not sure what our capital is. But the Coptic church actually does use this for all of Scripture. And so a Coptic priest may be able to sing any part of Scripture if they're able to recall the tune associated with that section. So my hope for us is that we can continue to sing psalms like this, especially because we are commanded by Scripture to do so. I'm going to read a couple of passages. Um, you can feel free to join me with them, but there'll be a couple I will have you uh, jump to, but these are short enough that you don't really need to. Ephesians 5, 19 through 21. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is also in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, there are some churches and denominations out there that only sing psalms, some of that will only do it a cappella too, which I believe is neglecting the other two parts of these scriptures, that there are also hymns and spiritual songs. Um, and the other thing is you never actually get to sing the name of Jesus if you never sing anything but the psalms. But I also 
find it discouraging that the vast majority of churches, at least in this country, never sing any psalms whatsoever. It's the first one commanded in there. But today, we're going to look at the three things this psalmist teaches us that we can do to renew our faith when we're struggling. So the first thing in our first verse, it would help if I turned the the thing on, wouldn't it? There we go. I skipped ahead because Tyrell was on the ball. So our first verse, and this is going to be confusing, right? Because we put scripture in the verses, but I'm talking verses like a song. Um, So in our first verse, so in 42, 1 through 4, he's going to teach us about public worship. Um, The first two verses here. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So many of you know that Heidi and I recently had our air conditioning out for a a few weeks, especially that day where it suddenly jumped to 102 out of nowhere. So there was definitely a feeling of being that deer panting for water. Uh, There may have been some literal panting as we sat in our 100-degree house, and we would make the decision, maybe we should just go to Walmart and there'll be some AC, even if we're just walking around. But as a deer pants in the summer heat, probably in the wild desert of Israel, and he longs for water that is scarce, so do we at times long for God. We've all likely had moments where we felt disconnected and lost from God, belonging to be back. Ironically here, the psalmist is likely in a place that had plenty of actual water to quench his thirst. But he is seeking his real need, the nourishment from the living water of Christ as described in John chapters 4 and 7. Maybe we were or we are currently going through a tough time at work or we've lost our job. And like Job, we feel like God has abandoned us. We have a spiritual thirst And that can make us feel like we're spiraling out of control. And then it becomes this circular progression of despair. You know, you feel worse, and then you feel abandoned, so you feel worse again. It just keeps going. We wonder, why is God putting me through all of this? But we have to remember that we don't have a stone God like the pagans do, but we have a living God who fills us up and is active in our lives. Let's skip to the second half of this verse. So this is three and four. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I'd go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So while the psalmist is in this struggle, He suffers the taunts of the non-believers around him. Ridicule for believing in the true and living God. Or even the persecution that Christians throughout the world are facing today. It can continue to drive us further into that despair. How do we, in the psalmist, get through this tough time? He spends time praying and remembering how he would gather with other believers in the temple and join in the praising of God's name with glad shouts and songs of praise. Now, currently, he doesn't actually get to join in cor- corporate worship because he's kind of in the middle of a, of a nation that isn't worshiping God. 
but just thinking about corporate worship in the past is what brings him through this. This also gives us some information about how corporate worship would have been done in Israel at this time in Israel. It involved glad shouts and songs of praise. I've been very blessed by how loudly this church sings during worship, how you can fill a room with sound. I will never be able to forget how impactful that was when I candidated here after listening online for months, not really having any idea how loud y'all might be. And we might not be shouting, but we have a loud, boisterous voice. We were all basically forced into a similar situation as the psalmist was during the pandemic. Back at Heidi and I's old church, we spent a couple of months locked down, thankful that live streaming became available. And then we started helping with the worship team do some worship nights that were streamed. But finally, right after a couple months, we met back together for the first time in person. And it was just an incredibly rejuvenating experience, as I'm sure much of you had as you have over time come to join us, or if you haven't joined us yet, when that does happen. Um, it was just so fulfilling at that time, and it just helped fill our souls up. Um, but some of you today may currently feel that you are in this desert place, like you've been abandoned, like the psalmist does. In which case, I want to applaud you first for either coming or listening online, um, that you are trying to find the oasis in that desert, where at least once a week, you're getting to join in that public worship as we gather together, and that you get to get filled with that living water as you gather with other believers, and to sing praises to God and to hear his word proclaimed. So for now, we're going to skip over verse 5, because we've got to save the best part, the chorus, for last. Like any good song, you've got to save it for last. So let's go to our second verse here, where we're taught about prayerful remembrance. Verse 6 through 8. And my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So even if we may end up doing our first verse, we're gathering for public worship, we may still find that we feel cast into the desert. We're not actually separated from God, but we can feel that way. Um, now, earlier I said we didn't know who wrote this or when, but we do actually know where it was written because it's given us in these verses. Right? He tells us he's at Mount Mizar in the land of Jordan and of Hermon. We don't know exactly where Mizar is, but it is believed to be a mountain in the Hermon range where the source of the Jordan River is. And this is at the northeastern border of Israel, and so it would be the opposite end of where Jerusalem and the temple are. So the psalmist here is physically separated from the temple. And this isn't something we quite suffer, since we don't simply just have one temple that hosts God. Um, but we can still feel separated. We can feel as if God isn't watching over us, as if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. In our own culture today, we may feel this way, that the world is completely against us because it is against God. 
we can feel as if the culture is this giant wave that is overtaking us, as the psalmist cries out in verse 7 here. In this mountain range, the Jordan River starts, right? It's the source. Deadly flash floods that can absolutely take over. Some of y'all might remember, we just did that Rory Vanderlyn series for Sunday School before we started doing Grudem Systematic Theology. Um, And we had a week where he talked about flash floods in the desert. It's the same thing that can happen here in the Hermon Range. Waterfalls come out of these mountains as well. the, The imagery of the psalmist being taken over by waves is very easy to imagine. But maybe for us, Maybe flash floods aren't something we really worry about here. I haven't been here long enough, so I don't really know. I know Houston weather very well. But I'm thinking maybe tornadoes are more of what we would associate here, or maybe even like the Derrico that Iowa went through last year. But he tells us that the faithful will continue to remind themselves that God will come, and that God will comfort, as the psalmist does in verse 8. Just like in that verse, The psalmist remembers, singing God's praises. His song is with him. In our doubts and struggles, we must also remember to continue looking back upon the God that saved us. He may not have literally brought us out of Egypt, as was done in Moses' day, but he has brought us out of our own Egyptian slavery of worldliness. We have to remember to continue to pray, to continually lift up our sorrows, our needs, our thanksgivings, and our praise and prayers. When we feel abandoned is when doing all of that is the hardest, especially if we already haven't built up the habit of doing it regularly to begin with. If you currently don't feel like you're abandoned in the wilderness right now, I'd encourage you to start praying regularly if you're not already, whether that's right before you go to bed or right when you wake up, during breakfast, lunch break, whatever. Build the habit now so that when you do find yourself feeling like you've been abandoned in the wilderness, you have that habit and that safeguard to continue to connect, feel like you're connecting God with God. If you're currently feeling like you're in that desert place, and I know some of us are, start building this habit today. Make it a point to start sometime today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give us all a moment right now to pray to take this time to lift up what is weighing you down to our God that loves us and cares for us. Let him lift some of that burden off of you. Let's silently pray together. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. Amen. Let's hear what the psalmist prayed, going to verse 9 and 10. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? This is the prayer of the psalmist. We know that he hasn't lost his faith, based on that first line where he calls God his rock. He is our rock as well, our steady and firm foundation. We too are able to cry out like this towards him, but still have faith in him. Sometimes it feels like we have to be perfect. Um, 
or like a, you know, a believer could never ask God why something is happening. But that does happen, and this is why I think it's good that we sing psalms as well, because some of our worship song doesn't give us this lament that we can feel. But we have to remember, this is lamenting is part of Scripture. It's part of what God's people have done. We do not have perfect lives, but we do have a perfect God. Of course, the enemy taunts us while we're feeling abandoned. More and more, we can feel our current culture close in and taunt us. It is tempting to think that this is just a modern phenomenon. But it has always been there. The psalmist was being oppressed. Richard Wormbrand was being oppressed. And Jesus told us that it was all going to happen. If you want to join me at John chapter 15, verses 8 through 21. It's John 15, verse 18 through 21. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Through these times, it's imperative to remember the promises that God has made to us. But we'll get to come back to that a little bit more when we talk about the chorus. So we're going to skip into our song's third verse. Purposeful preparation, or patient preparation. I put the wrong word up there. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So this is going into Psalm 43, first two verses. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Unfortunately, we're not guaranteed vindication from our persecutors in this life. The psalmist cries out to God for vindication, for some divine intervention that will set the record straight with the scoffers he is surrounded by. That may happen, but it may not happen in this life for us. We're also surrounded by an impious nation, not just people that are openly opposed to Christ, but those who are culturally Christians as well. Sometimes their persecution can be the worst because they can't even see that they're acting against the word of God. But for us, we have a God we can take refuge in. We can continue to seek him and lift our prayers up to him and know in the end that we will be in his protection for all eternity, no longer having to suffer through the sins, worries, anxieties, and oppressions of this world. Sometimes when he doesn't act, it seems like we have been rejected by God. And we have all had experiences that led us to lament with a psalmist here. But that's not the case. We are still his, and he is ours. He is the great shepherd who goes after the one lost sheep. Rest assured that our salvation is not upon our own works, but upon Christ who died for us. Go to the second half of this verse, 3 and 4. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. 
Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. How do we prepare for his coming? Or how do we prepare for our coming to him? We diligently and patiently do his work and continue to praise him. This kind of circles back to our first point about public worship. He says, let them bring me to your holy hill. I will go to the altar of God in my exceeding joy, and I will praise him with the lyre. Strong believers like this will plan their praises for God in their prayers. When are we going to devote our time to praising God? How are we going to go about it? Just like with anything else, we're more likely to do things that we schedule for ourselves. Am I ever going to just happen to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym? Having seen me today, you all know that's clearly not the case. <laughs> but if I actually were to set you know, like an alarm on my phone and put it on my calendar, I have a much greater chance of doing it. Same thing. We don't always praise God for what he has done in our daily life. But when we pray, we should plan. I am going to do this at this time because God is great and mighty and has done great things. So, we finally get to look at the chorus. Just like when you're in the car and Don't Stop Believing comes on the radio, but you have to wait three and a half minutes to get to the part you get to sing along with, right? I have this great sing-along chorus here. We're waiting. When are we going to finally get there? Don't stop believing. You finally get there. We finally get to look at the chorus which is our expectant hope. Right, finally get to be confident to sing along while we're looking at the refrain. So I'm going to take it from Psalm 43, verse 5, but it's also 5 and 11 and 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This chorus is written for the psalmist to encourage himself. First, he rebukes himself in the first half of this for his despair, reminding himself to not just wallow in his own self-pity and despair. The second half is an encouragement to himself to hope and wait patiently for God to work. It isn't just a shallow hope of just, oh, I hope God's going to do this thing to help turn my situation around. It is an expectant hope that the living God will fulfill his promises because as we're told, in 2 Corinthians 1 through 1, verse 20, all of his promises are yes and amen. This is that verse, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And they sing this psalm, this chorus, which was the last verse when we did Psalm 43, so that we can remind ourselves to praise the Lord. Oh, why are you cast down, my soul? Why so discouraged be? Hope now in God, I'll praise him still. My help, my God, is he. Right. The second half is our encouragement. Getting out of that desert requires hope. We can hope in our God. He has shown that he is faithful, that he holds on to his promises whether it's his covenant with Noah to never wipe out mankind with flooding waters again, or Abraham to create for himself a great and powerful people, or David about a future king in his lineage, so too will he hold true on his new covenant promise to us, 
that those who believe in Jesus as Lord will have everlasting life. He has paid the price for our sin. We may still struggle and go through our own deserts, but God holds firm on his promises. Devout believers today who find themselves feeling separated from God and surrounded by the enemies of the faith will long to be praising God for his saving acts. If you don't mind turning with me to Romans 8, verse 18 through 30. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the waits with eager long, uh, sorry, I read that. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he also he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We should spend some t- serious time relying on the chorus of these psalms. We, as a family of faith, need to encourage one another in the faith as we gather. But we also need to be able to encourage ourselves in our own private prayer by remembering God's love, care, and his work of salvation. There will be times when we will feel isolated and we won't bring ourselves to others for that encouragement. Richard Wormbrand must have felt much the same way of the psalmist during his time in prison. prison. Punished by being beaten every day for continuing to preach the gospel, he was able to remember God's promises, praise him for his work, and patiently prepare for the day of his return. Here's a quote from Richard Wormbrand. It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached, and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. Do we share in the same faith that Richard Wormbrand had? Are we willing to continue to come to God to share his word 
when it feels as though the world is against us. And I close with a quote from Philippians 1. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Please bow your heads in prayer with me. Dear Lord, thank you for psalms of lament like this, that we know we are not alone when we feel abandoned and that when we feel like we're suffering, we know that others have gone through this and that we have this to help encourage us. We see how they encourage themselves and we can apply it to our own lives. Help us to remember, maintain being faithful to your word and to do your work that you laid out for us in the Great Commission. We love you and we're thankful for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.